0: Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 203 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Warm, warm sunshine, but there's still a chill in the air. Mid-March and things are starting to stir, but what about those drones? Where are they? What are they? And what jobs do they perform? Listen in today as I drone on. keeping short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me i'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by simon the beekeeper making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone simon the beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible along with a super fast delivery service the bees won't wait so their customers don't have to either visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast on this bright and sunny Sunday morning. Yep, here we are in our new weekly slot of a Sunday morning and I hope it hasn't caused you too much upheaval waiting for the podcast since last Friday. I have to say, it's beginning to look a lot like the new beekeeping season is upon us. At this point of course it's the weather summary and the weather is feeling quite summery if you'll excuse the pun. Finally my offerings to the weather gods have been accepted and we're enjoying some very spring-like conditions. Temperatures are hitting the magical 15 degrees celsius referred to as t-shirt weather in the beekeeping world and offering up the opportunity of a quick inspection or two. More of that in a moment, but first back to the weather. And we had some very dirty rain last week. Sand and dust blown up from the Sahara, apparently. All I know is the truck was covered in a blanket of dust and sand once the rain had stopped. The local car cleaning businesses will be very busy this weekend, that's for sure. There must have been tons and tons of the stuff in the air. When you think it's been dropping out of the sky over Spain, heading north and finally dropping on us is there any sand left in the sahara desert at all i wonder anyway back to the no and looking out of the window this morning it's blue skies all round the sun is going to push the midday temperatures up and no doubt beekeepers everywhere will be rushing around donning bee suits lighting smokers and diving into their hives It's just so exciting to finally get back into those magical boxes after the long winter layoff. Do remember though that that spring breeze is still quite cooling. Colonies can suffer quickly if kept open for too long and you can end up doing more harm than good. Have a reason to look inside and please do keep it brief. One thing lots of beekeepers will be looking out for at the moment are drones So, today, in view of the fact that many beekeepers will doubtless be panicking when they've finished inspecting, I thought I would go through something about the drones and maybe help provide a better understanding of what's happening right now and what time frame we're looking at regarding spring swarm management. We all know that honeybee drones are males, right? And that from egg to emergence of the adult drone takes around 24 days what about the fact that they come from an unfertilized egg? Were you aware of that? That fact particularly is quite amazing when you stop to think about it. It's a process called parthenogenesis, a spontaneous development of an embryo from an unfertilized egg. And it's not just honeybees that use this mechanism. It occurs in a variety of plants and animals, animals such as snakes, sharks and lizards. For our standard honeybee drones it means all of their genetic material comes from their mother, the queen in your honeybee colony. This point can be very important when it comes to selecting colonies you want to develop and replicate so we'll come back to that shortly. I've had several messages from beekeepers saying that they have drone brood in their hives already and they sound surprised. It's because they've been reading books of course. If you head into a lot of beekeeping books they'll tell you that in the autumn all of the drones get kicked out of the hive leaving just workers and their queen. And for the most part this is indeed what happens. If you watch the entrance of the hive in the autumn months you'll see workers at the entrance of the hive dragging drones out and flying off to dump them somewhere to fend for themselves. Poor boys. Actually what I've seen in recent times is drones in overwintering colonies being left alone and somehow Being able to hang around undisturbed. There is an even deeper question about how long-lived these drones are when compared to workers that have that physiological change from summer to winter bees. Maybe there's already some research out there to answer that particular question, but let's leave that for another time and move swiftly on. So despite some books telling us that Drone Brood won't appear until April, I know for a fact that it's in our hives in quantity in March if not earlier for the purposes of spring mating. Drone brood found in winter colonies might well be a sign of a drone laying queen that's those in December and January but I wouldn't be at all surprised if some colonies have drone brood in February. Anyway regardless of when we spot drone brood we don't have to get particularly flustered about it until we see drones emerging from those brood cells. And even then, it's going to take a little bit longer until they really become a problem. Drones don't reach sexual maturity until somewhere around day 45 from the unfertilized egg being laid. So even if we see drones emerging now, there's still a few weeks before those drones can head out and perform successfully our drones are muscular little chaps with great big eyes designed really for one sole purpose and that's to mate with virgin queens i'm not going to get into the detail of the mating process here but you'll hear talk of drone congregation areas places that these excitable little chaps are gathering in order to latch on to any willing female that happens to fly past right place right time kind of scenario And the reason I mention it is because I do think I've actually seen a drone congregation area, but only the once. A few years back when I foolishly thought I had enough time to go fishing, fishing that is at the same fishing lakes where I currently have my queen rearing apiary, so some of you will know where that is, I was sat dozing in the afternoon sunshine Imagining how I was going to land the next massive fish that was going to take my bait when I saw what looked like a murmuration of starlings only much smaller at the top of a very tall tree. Obviously insects of some sort and they were whizzing around very much like the winter flocks of starlings creating various patterns in the sky hence my comparison to a murmuration of starlings. Once I had established that they were insects and the penny had dropped that they could be drones I reeled in my fishing lines and walked round quickly to the tree in question. Just happened to be too late, not a sign of anything. The show was over and whatever it was had decided that that was it for the day. Since then I've not seen anything anything like it despite going back each spring and early summer to sit for a short time in the afternoon and watch to see if they return. On a slightly different topic and quite interestingly if a colony doesn't have many drones or sometimes no drones at all they do seem to get a little bit tetchy. You can almost sense that something's not quite right. The workers tend to be a little grumpy, a bit fidgety, a kind of out of sorts type of feeling. A few weeks later plenty of drones back in residence and everything is calm again. It's weird but true. Just returning to the topic of mating again and if you breed a few queens of your own or you're going into larger production your mated queens are only as good as your drones. If you're only just starting out and producing a couple of queens and that's all that you want Then you're very much in the lap of the gods. Local drones from other apiaries may well provide the all-important mating for your carefully reared virgin queen. So it's very much a lucky dip as to what you're going to get. If you're thinking that maybe you'd like to breed dozens of queens, then you really must focus on that gene pool that you're getting from your drones. When it comes to selecting colonies for queen rearing and I've been as guilty as the next in regards to this. I've spent an awful lot of time and effort trying to identify the right colony to donate the eggs or the very young larvae that will become the Virgin Queens, and then, almost as an afterthought, chosen a few colonies to be the drone donor colonies. Whereas it probably ought to be the other way round, or at least equal thought should be given to the supply of drones as the selection of the Mother Queens. What we're then trying to do is flood the area with our drones to outcompete any other drones from the surrounding location. The easiest way to do this is to select those colonies you deem right to produce drones for mating and add an extra frame of drone foundation to the brood box. Once it's drawn and laid you'll have an abundance of drones of your choice ready for action, albeit you'll have to wait around 45 days. Make sure you remember that and factor it into your planning. To give you an example if I wanted to graft some very young larvae around the 10th of May this year I would need to get a frame of drone brood foundation into my drone donor colonies somewhere around early to mid-April and of course the colonies need to be varroa free or at the very least have a minimal varroa population because a frame of drone brood is going to be a massive Varroa nursery if you're not too careful. All that said, you could just leave it to the lottery of open mating. The vast majority of us have beekeepers dotted around our own apiaries. We just don't know about them. Not everyone's registered on beebase, of course, and those apiaries pop up in the most unlikely of places. All that means is whilst your virgin queens will get mated you just won't know what you've got until her offspring start following you down the garden path. I know this because it's happened to me and then you have to go through the process all over again. It is though just part of the process and I'd like to call it fun but there's not much fun to be had when the bees are getting into your truck in order to sting you even before you've suited up. So we've established drones are a vital part of the well-being of the hive and also hugely important when it comes to the traits of any offspring you might have. If you plan your queen rearing well I'm sure you'll be rewarded with some superb queens to head up all of your colonies. Bringing it all the way back to the current weather and as a general rule don't be in too much of a hurry to split your colonies this spring. I know it's tempting right now with the sun shining, the warmth on your face, and maybe not a cloud in the sky, but I've just been outside and it's decidedly chilly still. Colonies split too early will likely as not be held back, and any queens produced could well find it tricky to find enough partners to get a successful mating. The upshot of this is you'll have artificial swarms that are slow to develop, worse still, Brood that's chilled and dies. And finally, just to put the final nail into the whole process, during the first warm days of our summer, your new queen will turn drone layer and you'll have to do it all over again, whilst losing your summer honey crop. Just hold off for a couple of weeks longer and the bees will ultimately do what they've evolved to do. Throw up some swarm cells and you can use these to produce some fabulous new queens to head up your colonies. For me, this season marks several very exciting developments, least not our queen rearing programme. This ties in nicely with the drone topic of today, as hopefully you've now realised how much importance I'm placing on having the right drone donor colonies. Last year's purchases of other queens, known generally as Buckfast, has meant I now need to work through my colonies to identify my own stock, work to bring those together, and utilise them as my base stock for queen rearing this year. I'm also looking to introduce some near native stock so with that I might become self-sufficient in bee stock generally. It may get a little bit messy before things settle down again but I think it will be worth the work involved in order to get back to stocks that I'm happy with and if you've watched my videos you'll have seen how gentle most of my colonies are and once I've achieved that it will feel like I'm not reliant on other beekeepers to supply me with stock that I'm not in control of and maybe I'll be in a position to help other beekeepers gain control of their stocks of bees. Talking of being in control, I think next week I should probably talk about some swarm control methods. There's a lot of twitchy beekeepers out there right now. Finally in other news, d-day should have arrived on friday but unfortunately it just didn't happen the delivery of new equipment should have been with me on friday but unfortunately because of a haulage issue and driver issue it actually didn't arrive it's been collected and is now being held by the haulage company for delivery on monday so hopefully next week by the time the podcast comes out we'll have it all sorted I'd like to think that we'll get it all off the lorry and sorted in a few days but the weather does look quite good and I do think that we're likely to be out inspecting for the first time next week. It's been quite a wait but now that it's here we'll be recording it for you to see where we have our pinch points and what we do to manage our season. Do stay tuned, watch the videos, sign up on Patreon and see how we get on this season. I'm sure it's going to be quite an interesting roller coaster for us all so do join me as we progress through this season. Well that's it for this week I'll catch up with you all again next Sunday but for now remember I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet.